welcome to the show reviews and discussion podcast. I am your host, Roman Sanzo. Joining me today is Silver Quill. I exist in a world all my own. Oh, that's fascinating. How is it? Kind of boring. Turns out my imagination sucks. Oh no, that's bad. But you're a great imagination imaginator. Yes, but only when I'm driving people nuts. <laughs> uh, maybe that should be your gimmick. Yes. Uh, gimmick, it's my way of life. <laughs> yeah. Also joining us today is Jacob. Hello, everybody. And I shape worlds <laughs> to my desires. Wow. Awesome. So, anywho, in today's, uh, well, podcast, we are going to do a little bit of discussion. World building, part two. Yes. there's a, There was a part one, still was not part of it. They oh, make <laughs> treachery. Well, it's kind of true. But we expanded our universe and now you're in it. Yay. Yay. So, um, continuing on from where we last off, basically we just babble along, but still, um, it, world building, it's how we create the world and how we see it and whatnot. And since, well, we, we share a lot uh, with our own opinions in the previous episode, uh, Silver, what's your view on world building and whatnot? Oh, I find it critical. I mean, it's how you you are setting the environment in which your characters can express themselves, can either struggle or flourish. And the thing is, even if you even if you don't put heavy emphasis on the world building, you still need to have an idea of how things work. How are you? How are they doing these things? What? Uh, even on their age range. Okay, maybe your characters aren't old enough to really need to worry about money. They're still under the loving care of their parents. But uh, what do those parents do? What does that, what, how much time does that demand? Does that cut into their time as a family? An so, important question. Even in a slice of life. That's true. That's true. Um, I, I'm reminded of a Japanese anime, uh, kind of slice of life show called Doraemon, uh, Doraemon uh, where a robot cat from the future goes back in time to kind of help aid a young talented I don't know how they want to phrase it because the ending to the whole sh- series was a bit iffy but anyway uh, he goes back in time to help this one boy named Nobita and High cheeks in Sioux? Oh yeah, Doraemon. As they I do. remember that one. Yeah. <clears throat> Sorry? Basically, his future self created the robot and sent him back in time, if I recall. Something like that. Like, th- there's a lot of ifs and uh, ifs and n. Yeah, because the main character is basically a giant loser. He can use constant super- supervision from a robot, so he doesn't screw things up. Yeah, but also the ending to the series was kind of... Is it official? Is it fan-made? Or... But still, yes. Um, for, for Getting back on track. Um, for, for that story, um, I, was, I was always wondering, what does his dad do for a living? And if you're living in Japan, you're just an office worker. Of course you are. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> But Silver, uh, you, you were saying about your characters and so on. So, you're, I feel like you're the perfect person to answer this because you have your own series that's on the DeviantArts. Oh, yes. My, well, oft-neglected uh, stories about Clutterstep. Yes. I mean, uh, he is the butt of the joke at some uh, in his own stories. And <laughs> it feels like he is the butt of the joke in your... Uh, story. Yes. So yeah, <laughs> how's he? How is he? Like, what's the idea? What's the idea? Well, at the time, I looked at My Little Pony, and I wondered about if ever there was a pony who wanted to be one of the other tribes—an Earth pony who wished they could fly, a, a Pegasus who wished they could wield magic, and so on and so forth. So to address that at the time gaping hole in the 
setting, you know, figure somebody must figure that at some point. Uh, I came up with Clutterstep, and he went through several revisions in my brain before I ever presented him. Mm-hmm. So, at first, I was like, "Hey, there's no positive uh, guard. Maybe I should make him a member of the guard. <laughs> Maybe even captain." Oh, but here comes shining armor. It's like, well, okay. Well, that was probably a good thing. Because I was putting him in a position of authority and power, it's hard to really have a guy who is envious of others if he's in that position. Mm -hmm. So, eventually I changed it to, well, why would you, why would a pony not want to just be themselves? Well, is it possible that they feel deficient as they are? Well, lo and behold, maybe Clutterstep should, really should live up to his name and trip over his own feet. So when you created Clutterstep, um, what was the process? Like, uh, obviously, you're borrowing a lot from Friendship is Magic, so that's the world that he lives in, but how did you differentiate him and from whatever has been established? Well, at the time, there was less that had been established. It was actually a pretty open open season for creatives. I, I fear now with nine seasons, I feel like it could be more intimidating because you're trying to figure out how it fits into all this other stuff. But basically, it is, as I said, I just mull it over in my brain for a while and let ideas percolate. Sooner or later, a a fresh idea springs forth. It's like, well, hang on, what if you had a character, he's not suited for one job, but he's great at odd jobs, Mm. doing a bunch of different random things, and hilarity can can ensue. I thought, uh, wouldn't it be great if, say, the reign of an evil wizard was brought to an end by Clutterstep's role as a door-to-door salesman. Oh, <laughs> uh-huh. yes. He just comes to sell you a new cauldron and he actually knocks over your evil fortress. Whoops! Oh, my bad. Did I do that? <laughs> oh, boy. Yes. So, uh, the design. The design is pretty unique for... Um, for Clutterstep, because uh, at the time, we haven't seen ponies with markings on their faces and whatnot. That was another deficiency I found in the show. Horses have these patches. They have different uh, markings. I mean, Pipsqueak was the closest we got to some real diverse uh, visuals. Was it? And he's uh, hardly... Sorry, uh, was Pipsqueak season one? Because I feel like... Season two. Yeah, so... And because the set was what season one or later, season three. Oh, cluster step came. All right, so yeah, not much. So I wanted a little bit more of that, and I thought about fun markings, and I remembered Rainbow Dash's, uh, uh, or no, Pinkie Pie's. You know, put put ink on the rim of a spyglass, and see what it does to a person. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I ad- I adapted that. Now people have made lewd comments about what it looks like, and I get where they're coming from. But I'm gonna stick to it. Yeah, uh, make it sticky your own. to it. <laughs> sticky to it. Oh god. Uh. Oh god. No. Uh. Uh, why would you do this to us? <laughs> I would because I can, and because you respond. Oh yeah, because it's fun. Ugh. Uh, why? <laughs> but why? And I like the idea of a pony who doesn't really jive with magic falling head over your hooves for uh, the most magical pony in the world. So that's part of why I ship him with Twilight. Mm-hmm. And I know people are like, oh, you don't get to ship with OCs with... And you know what? My story, I'm going to do it. Yeah, my rule, my story, so whatever. <laughs> Yeah, but he's got a competition now. With Flash Sentry? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's no competition. Well, honestly, I uh, I thought about that. Uh, <laughs> if I ever get 
Clutter step back to Equestria. <laughs> yep. Uh, wouldn't it? I thought wouldn't it be kind of a romantic game that to see Twilight he has to sneak into the Equestrian Palace, and with Flash operating as the new uh, head of of the Royal Guard, he's trying to keep Clutter out, but Clutter's trying to break in. So Flash has this great career where he he. Uh, plugs all these holes in securities and prevents any number of intrusions, but he's ne- but he's never satisfied because he can't catch Clutterstep. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's, there's an idea, and Clutterstep is feels like he's the perfect pony for that situation to happen. Like, oh, what's this? Suddenly breaks down everything. I guess you could almost call it a dodgy business. <laughs> Indeed. And ah, I see what you did there. <laughs> yeah, I just happened to check out on the pinfishion.net and I found your site. Ooh, I see you've not been on since like 2018. Oh, <laughs> uh, boys. Hmm, that's actually more recent than I thought. So wait, uh, Silver, you you have a pinfic page? Yeah, he does. I've, I've only published the one story, though. Ah, oh. Mm. I have done nothing. Uh-uh. Walla walla bing bang. But well, you uh, got the better traffic than I do, <laughs> because it's silver quill, of course. Yes, but anyway, well, either um, way, sorry, go ahead. Well, part of it is just simply saying, okay, you've introduced this new character. How do the other characters react? How do they respond? Yeah. What are what are what are some means of of turn off or consequence? I mean. Applejack could always use an extra hand or hoof on the farm, but does she trust someone so clumsy with her beloved apples? <laughs> Suddenly, bumps into multiple apple trees, completes the harvest. <laughs> and she's going to be like, wait, what? what? <laughs> Don't ask. No, but uh, I, I just find... I've got, fr- <laughs> I've got free time, Twilight. I've got free time and I don't like it. <laughs> I, I just like how we're just building on stuff right now because we're like, oh, you, you describe how Clutterstep is and technically uh, we're kind of brainstorming Clutterstep's stuff, yeah, one, like universe and whatnot. Once you have a core character it's uh, and the core traits, it's more fun to envision how they interact with the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah that is true, that's true. And uh, like I mentioned before in the previous episode, um, I am quote-unquote a DM for Dungeon and Master, uh, Dungeon and Dragons, yes, Dungeon and Dragons campaign that I'm, uh, well, not currently hosting anything right now, but I am part of a campaign that I'm in. And one of the things that my GM mentioned is that um, you guys build the universe. And what he means by that is that whatever we do is affecting what's going on in said story. And yeah, uh, I, I just like how saying one thing, doing certain things has a chain reaction to everything in the universe. So if my character were to do this or another character were to do that, things happen. And honestly speaking, um, D&D technically is what you're doing, Silver. Borrowing something from an established uh, IP and making it your own, and you do that with uh, with original fiction as well. There's a really great uh, writing program called Campfire, which provides prompts for world building, economics, religion, uh, divisions, uh, even sayings. Mm-mm. When you mention campfire, I'm just thinking in my head, are you afraid of the dark? <laughs> well, didn't they create their own worlds? Kind of, yeah. Like, uh, th- th- that story, th- that show was pretty impressive. Um, just do a story, uh, see what happens. Yay. It's very rarely that they bring back an idea and carry on. I, I, I think there's, there's a few stories, but still, it's fun. Well, there's always uh, Zardo, accent on the O. Is that a show or 
Nip- He's from Are You Afraid of the Dark? Oh. They featured his character in several stories. Hmm. It's been a while for me, but still. still. Hashtags only real fans know Zardo. <laughs> Man, it's been so long. But yeah, uh, I, I do like that. I, I do like that. Like, World building can come from anywhere. Anywho, Jacob, anything more to add? Because I have, I, I f- it feels like I'm talking a lot. Well, unless the work has anything more to add. Still? But no, I'm, I'm want to hear from you guys. All right. Yeah. Well, <laughs> this is about to turn into a mid podcast at this point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway. As I said way back a few weeks when we were reviewing the Abyssinia storyline of season 10, I explained that I came back to uh, to the fandom after I got really annoyed with season 10's world building overall. It's, it's so bland and boring. Like, the whole uh, storyline with multiple uh, Trees of Harmony... I'm kind of at a loss of words because I I know I don't want to pin it on Jeremy Whitley, but I'm not gonna say he's lazy. It's more like that he doesn't dare to do something that his circle of friends on Twitter would consider to be um, how do you put it politically incorrect. If you get what I mean. Hmm. Okay. Basically, the whole thing with uh, everything being the same, nothing is different, we all show the same values and all that. It, but it, really, it really makes for a really boring world if everything's the same. But mm-hmm. wouldn't it be, in, in terms of uh, writing, wouldn't that be easier to deal with? Because, um, honestly speaking, with um, with us... We don't really have a deadline. We don't really work for a major conglomerate. So we have more freedom in that rather than what he has. Like he's working for a major conglomerate. A big person is breathing down his neck and so on. So he needs to do what is asked of him. Well, yeah, I suppose that's true. But still, that should impact... uh how uh, big your creativity drive is and how restricted it is by outside forces. Like, we, one of the best uh, world builders uh, in the G4 comic series is probably Ted Anderson. Like, the amount of world building that he did for all those comics, like Convocation of Creatures, uh, what else do we got? Uh, I'm a, sorry, I'm a bit at a loss of... Uh, of a list right now. All I know okay. is that yeah, all I know is that whenever Ted uh, Arasa wrote uh, something new, it was I don't know, it was fresh. It's uh, it's like it fit uh, into the MLP world, but it was still different from it. Except that one time when he uh, he did the Pinchip uh, is Magic number three for the Dazzlings. That's the only. <laughs> Downside that I'm gonna give it to him. <laughs> mm, all right. Yeah, but basically, uh, as I said, uh, it frustrated me how uh, lame the world building for season ten was. So I went back uh, way, way back <laughs> when uh, when I was, it was still early in the series of the of the of the show, and I can sort of predicted, but not really. Uh, when uh, season four started and there was these dark forces coming through the Everfree Forest, and mm-hmm. when I just started writing and I tried to post the story on the question daily, the, res- the response was uh, to say not good would be a- an understatement. I was really inexperienced with writing and all that. I in- <laughs> I think the biggest problem that I had was the grammar that I had to deal with because Slovenian grammar and English grammar in general, they have different rules. So I had to learn 
completely different in how to phrase or ah. structure uh, sentences all together. All right, that that is that is fascinating to know, and yeah. <laughs> um, honestly, uh, Grammarly is a nice free software. With that, I, I kind of use it personally. It helps with a bit of grammar and also uh, spelling. So yay, that works. But you bring up a really fascinating point. Um, <clears throat> with with certain writers, we we have our favorites and so on. Um, who, to all, who do you feel that has the best writing or have the best world building for a character, at least for its issue, um, in its own issue? Uh, I I remember you mentioned Ted Anderson, right? Yeah. All right. Uh, Silva, what about you? Well, are we limiting this to My Little Pony, or can we go beyond? Uh, what about Pony and then Beyond? Then beyond. Okay. Well, I would say I'll give for Pony. I would give it to Katie Cook, who fleshed out so many things in Equestria, including how Ponyville uh, seems to operate on a daily basis, which is pure chaos. <laughs> That's true. It's no. It's no wonder Discord took a, took a liking to to Ponyville in particular. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. But probably one of the best science fiction fantasy writers who... Well, this is a bit odd. Because while I can, I'm can, i going to salute her technical skill at writing, I didn't really enjoy her story. Mm. This would be N.K. Jemison, who wrote the fifth season. Off? No, that's the title of the book. Oh. The fifth season. Oh, okay. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> It is an exceptional, uh, it's the start of her Broken Earth trilogy, and it's an exceptional exceptional look into a world where there are beings that can, that can manipulate energy, especially kinetic energy, or energy within the Earth, and how a culture arises to, re- in reaction to that. Now, there are, why I couldn't really get into it, at least for me, is that there's very little happiness in in her story. There are very few moments where you feel like, okay, they're working towards this or that to make the world better. To Mostly, it's it's almost desperation that, move, that moves the characters for 90% of the story. And after a while, you... With all this negativity, you're like, you know, I'm getting enough of this in real life. I'm not sure I want it now, like this now. So, if you read her book, The Fifth Season, uh, it will offer some great insight into world building. But, you might need to have something lighthearted and fun on the side, just to keep your spirits up. Is that depressing? Mm, yeah, I think so. Hmm, that's interesting. But at the same time, too, like, did she wrote it that way just because it's edgy and what the kids want, or is just is that just her writing style? Uh, given that I've only read that one book of hers, I I don't feel I'm qualified to answer. Ah, and why not more? Like, you 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 had enough of it. Like I said, it it bummed me out. I could appreciate the technical skill on display, but I wasn't in the mood to continue with more of Everything's Doomed. Ah, all right. All right. Um, as for me, uh, for ponies, I, I, I have to agree with you. Uh, Katie Cook kind of brought me into that universe with how things work and how things are. And also, probably Ted Anderson too, because... It feels like Katie Cook had something, and Ted Edison just built up on it. It feels like the both of them kind of established the world and so on, and made it their own. On a side note, uh, Pencils, uh, in his fan work, did a lot of awesome 
uh, writings for his own pony universe and whatnot. And that's what um, Anon something uh, something 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 uh, that you that that story is a bit matured. So enter at your own risk, but. It's kind of very interesting with how he established that universe too. And non-ponies, I have to give it to Matthew Mercer. Uh, for you all at home who had heard that name before, uh, Matthew Mercer is a voice actor in a lot of things that we watch and consume. Uh Basically, he voices. Uh, <clears throat> give me a second. I'm trying to find person. Uh, Attack on Titans. Levy. He voiced that. Uh, Thundercats. Tigra. This is the 2011 version. And uh, in video games, he played Cowboy. Uh, in uh, Overwatch. Just but uh, we don't say that name anymore. <laughs> No, now it's something different. Ah, uh, what was his new name? Make it Mexican. Oh, uh, God, what was his new name? Now I'm trying to remember. God dang it. Uh, He'll always be Jesse McCree. And no, now it's Cole it's Cassidy. Like, yeah, cool. It's Cole Cassidy now. Yeah, that, that's his real name, by the way. <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> I just love how corporate is trying to uh, dodge. Sweep under the rug. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's not. It's not sweeping on the rug to dodge anger from people. Oh no, we can't do that. That's 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 a bad person name. Oh, what do we do? Let's do the generic thing. Cool, Cassidy. Yeah, that sounds cowboyish. Yeah. But they are trying to sweep it under the rug because they just put out a report that. Uh, how do I put this? Uh. Activision has investigated that Activision has done nothing wrong. Yeah, right? I mean, mean, what's wrong with that? (laughs) I'm sure there's nothing wrong with that. But getting back on track, Matthew Mercer has nothing to do with um, Activision Blizzard. But uh, what he has something to do is with his uh, quote-unquote project called Critical Role. Uh, Critical Role is a YouTube channel where he and a bunch of his nerdy friends play Dungeons and Dragons. And the difference between uh, this and normal D&D is that he is building the world. Uh, this world is, is his own universe. It's not using anything from... Uh, oh, sorry. It's not. He's not using any settings that is from the uh, manuals or... Um, stories and whatever all he's using is just uh, his own creativity and all the base for Dungeons and Dragons for characters and classes and whatnot and monsters <laughs> but the world is his own original stuff and he's been doing it for three campaigns now and I have to say that uh, one campaign is stupid long it's how, how how do I say this? Like, um, pro- probably two hundred plus episodes, and they're more than o- almost reaching four hours. So yeah, it's stupid long. So it's very fascinating to see him and his friends uh, tell a story, uh, build the universe, and make the story happen and for world building you 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 can f- <laughs> how do I put this he really emphasized on characters names motivations um, quote unquote backgrounds and so on and you can feel like the world is lived in by the way that he describes um, <laughs> here's going to be one of those um, cliche things the tavern you walk into a tavern what do you see um, how does it feel and he describes it perfectly that you makes you feel like oh wow this is a tavern that is really uh, dirty uh, grand or dangerous and so on and yeah 
also he's a professional voice actor so hearing him act out all the characters or the NPCs is very special so uh, that's for quote unquote world builders um, I-, I find him very um, awesome <laughs> Yeah. All right, so that, that, that's <clears throat> my that's my thing. Right, but uh, now that we can rerail the train back on the tracks, <laughs> since we just went off while we were still talking. Oh, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, the whole thing where I started to write my story, like eight. Uh, wait, how many years was it since I left? Two thousand thirteen. Yeah, almost eight years more than eight years since I left film fiction and then one day I returned back to start writing this story it was a wild ride so let me just give you the, syn- the synopsis of what the story is actually about <clears throat> I'm just gonna read it from here Twilight Sparkle rules the quest here is the new soul monarch three years have passed since, since her coronation and the kingdom has enjoyed a time of relative peace under her watchful eye, while she and the rest of her friends went on to live their own separate lives without losing contact or forgetting their friendship. But even with everything running smoothly, in a world of light, there will always be a shadow that lurks beneath. An ancient darkness of Equestria, which was believed to be little more than a fairy tale, and known only by those whose lifetime transcends that of the two sisters, is about to re-emerge, and has finally found an agent from whom to execute its will. Will the power of friendship be enough to stop the darkness when there is no light to take its place? And <clears throat> So basically, my story takes place three years after the coronation. It because from, uh, from from her coronation and to the events of the last problem, there's like 20 years. So I went forward just a little bit so that things are relatively still the same, but some things have changed. Like some people have grown up and all that. And... Oh, I hope this is not The Simpsons. <laughs> Ooh, what do you mean? How many years have The Simpsons been on? Oh, no, no, definitely not. You might as well just ask uh, for how many years has Family Guy been running and you'll get the same answer. Too long. But the, thi- but the thing is, how much have the characters changed in that time? Yeah, nothing. But Fun- then again, Pokemon has the same problem. Not... Okay, um, I, I, I'll say this. For Simpsons, you don't see it. You don't see the changes. The changes are not visible. There, there's a, sometimes when they call back to certain things, then when they acknowledge it. But if not, they just play it as is, which which kind of sucks. Yeah, yeah, it does. Some things just need to end eventually. But when you got corporate claws stuck into something. You're just gonna keep using necromancy to bring it back, even but, when there's no substance left. But honestly speaking, like um, Silver brings up a good point about the Simpsons and Family Guy and so on. How is the world building in that? Like, honestly speaking, I have to say that there are some things that are noticeable. One of the most obvious one is technology. Like the the gadgets they use, the fact that eventually they started using smartphones. Yep, it was one of those things. It's one of those things where it gradually happens. Like certain things happen. Like I mean, honestly speaking, I'm sure the characters do have them now, and it's a nonchalant thing. Like it's like you and me have uh, mobiles, and we don't really think about it. The only thing that's stopping them from doing more is the restriction of age limit because we could have a show about Bart or Lisa learning to drive or so on but since they're 10 and 9 they won't be doing that which kind of sucks uh, Family Gun on the other hand they don't really care 
But anywho. Uh, yeah. Um, uh, hold on. Okay. Well, basically, story revolves uh, about uh, about the main six three years later, which uh, well, most of, most of the things are as they were left when when we last saw uh, the characters. But now there's a sinister force uh, involved because, well, the, uh, it comes back to way back uh, when. Uh, Wait, what? What was it again? Um, oh yeah, Legends of Magic number one. The Star Swirl issue that Jeremy Wheatley wrote, and it baffled me that he didn't build up from that when he had a really good setup for a villain. <laughs> but basically, when Luna, when Luna gets kidnapped by a sinister force from another world, and. Uh, Starsworld explains that uh, there are are parallel worlds to Equestria and some of the worlds uh, are ruled by powers that have devoured the light of their own world. So that's when I started to think uh, if Starsworld knows about uh, these dark forces from another world that are basically parallel to Equestria what about the darkness of the, of his own world? Where's the darkness of Equestria? And we've seen the several uh, hints of that. Like the Everfree Forest, the Frozen North, and even Shadow Play, as much as I hate it, makes several references to places that uh, harbor dark forces. But most of them have been uh, depleted or something. And that's where I started to build up on the whole. There's a there's a power that's opposite of harmony, and that's turmoil. Term, turmoil is a force that it rests underneath the Everfree Forest, and the Tree of Harmony has been suppressing it this whole time. Mm. So that's your story. Yeah, and then dark forces that are connected to turmoil begin to emerge, and they start uh, gathering subordinates, so to speak, to do their bidding. Because one thing that I did want to do with the, uh, this story as well, that both not many other stories do, and it's the villain's interaction. Like... Is there any way for them to be redeemed or something? Or are they just destined to be forever evil? Or is there a way to reverse the whole problem? And I came to uh, to one uh, realization. Sometimes people need to be broken before they can be put back together. I must break you. <laughs> oh no. Well, not... Well, not uh, not like that. Well, technically, yes, but I got this idea that turmoil would feel, would uh, make uh, the villains face the darkness within themselves, and then embrace embrace the most uh, how to put it primal emotion that's related related to their experience. So, for example. Oh, let me give you... Hold on, give me just a second. Chrysalis, what do we know about a poor dear queen of changelings? Eternal suffering with what she's been going through. Hmm. Well, she makes for a great lot ornament. <laughs> yeah. Well, three of them do anyway. She had everything and now she has nothing. She is nothing. Her own kind turned on her. Let me put it uh, hold on. Oh yeah. Allow me to monologue what, uh, how the villain puts her to to side with him. <clears throat> you are the queen of changelings. It is in your nature not to want to share love. You are compelled to devour it to survive, and yet you desire it. 
more than you're willing to admit. You care not for your own soldiers as long as they're useful, and yet you cannot imagine living a life without them. This is what claws at the corners of your mind. You are living the darkest moment you feared would happen all those years back. And that is what you hate the most, Chrysalis. Not Celestia, not Twilight Sparkle and her friends, or the swarm that turned its back on you. But the knowledge that you are the last true changeling. That you are truly alone. And unfortunately, I do not have a female voiceover here to scream. Am I that obvious to you? <laughs> Still, um, nice voice acting. Hey. Yeah. I try to go darker, but I can't master the voice right now. You but gotta get rid of Oh no, it's Batman. Yeah, I'm probably gonna go into spoiler with this, but basically, turmoil recruits Chrysalis, and through her, she gathers together a group of villains that help restore Turmoil back to his original self so he can consume Equestria, since Harbon is no longer there to stop him. And no, the main six do not count. Mm. Because even if in the beginning of the end, when they still use the friendship laser to kill Sombra and suppress the Earthly Force, the force that the Tree of Harmony was suppressing, it's no longer restrained. And this also comes back to the whole theme that ponies rule Equestria through everything, but they, they view nature as the enemy, and nature tries to do everything it can to hurt ponies. And this is where the whole story continues. It's been like, what, uh, 45, cha 45 chapters. Wow. Each of them like 6,000 words since one year ago <laughs> and it's still going <laughs> well you, you got a lot to cover that's why I guess yeah but to the whole world building part uh, silver for you I put a little link over in the um, uh, in the discord okay thank you yeah this was a little comic that I make as a name an excerpt from the the chorus uh, part of the, part of the background story because it because it frustrated me not just because uh, uh, because what Jeremy I think what Jeremy did uh, was lazy but also because it completely negated what was established of Zakora in one of the issues where she was central to. And yes, I know how that even in the comics, Akura wasn't given, well, non-ceremonious role, and she was basically just a tool to fix the problem, but she was never the focus as her to develop the character or know anything more about, uh, uh, about her home, where she comes from. But there was one instance in which... That was the case, and I go back to, uh, uh, hold on, what was it, <laughs> crap, what was his name, uh, oh yeah, back to Tand Anderson, way back in France Forever 21, and <laughs> if, this, if this issue came out in the last two years, it would have been so topical, <laughs> because it was the whole uh, pandemic thing, with the core and Spike. Oh, that, I think... I think it says more about uh, the real outside world than the fictional world at that point. Yeah. <laughs> but but uh, oh, yeah. you think a plague is funny here? Have a real one. Oh. <laughs> is it this yeah. fun? Laugh, Good times. Yeah. Well, one of the things that Ted Harrison did is uh, Spike and Zakura are going to the village and they have to set up camp so they can start doing things to help the ponies in need. Zakora opens her saddle back and Bush uh, opens up uh, puts up a giant medical tent. Uh, Everyone's agape and Zakora basically says, yeah, zebras have, uh, have magic other than just potions. Thank you very much. Yeah, that, that, that's what they so want yeah. you to think. <laughs> so yeah, the whole point 
to where... <sighs> Sorry. When that stupid teacher that then challenges the court that she'll never use ma be able to use magic, where she explains that zebras do not have magic use like other races. Well, this just proves that it's basically the Ratcon. Yeah, but at the same time, too, different, different writers, right? Yeah, 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 they're different writers. Yeah, different writers, also, different mindsets and whatnot. And also, yeah. um, feels like the camp thing is a uh, is a kind of a joke that they try to do. But still, but then as they're talking again, Zekora talks how she didn't get affected because she's all alone in the Everfree Forest. And Spike comments on that she must be pretty lonely and the Zekora tells that, well, ever since the whole thing with bridal gossip, everybody's so welcoming in Ponyville that she no longer, well, stands out like a sore thumb, quote-unquote. But... Even so, despite all the friendly faces that welcome her, she still feels alone because she's the only one of her kind. And it basically shows that even though, despite everything, she misses her home. And that brings up the question why she left. Mm. But in season 10, it goes to the whole spiteful thing. <sighs> Yeah, I mean, and it's really, it's. I basically see that Zakora's character assassination because, well, she goes in a full of rage and then decides to bring uh, Applejack's mom into this. <laughs> yeah, your mama's dead. <laughs> That's basically how she goes. Yeah, but but at the same this time, really, yeah, this really is in the same Zakora that was presented. To, Neither in in uh, Friends Forever series nor in the se in the series altogether. Those are two completely different characters, and it frustrates me. That is true. I mean, when when talking about established characters and trying to make your own world around it, certain characters are unlucky enough to get assassinated, and mostly is the ancillary characters that will be the target of well. The target of spite. Uh, a good example there is well Sakura, also um, Diamond Tiara and Silver Spoon. Eh, who else? Um, Filthy Rich and so on. Usually, they serve a they they serve an ideal. They they serve an idea. And for example, if you want Mean Girls, Diamond Tiara, Silver Spoon. If you want rich evil person. <coughs> Filthy rich and so on and so on and so on. But anywho, uh, I'm looking at the clock and we're kind of almost out of time. Oh yeah. So we've been going for a while. Yep, yep, true, true. But anywho, um, I'm gonna leave the floor open. Uh, asking Silver, anything more you want to add? I find that world building is often an answer to questions and. The best way is just to say, why? Why, why, why? And as you answer that, you the world begins to take shape. Why or how? Why is it this way? How did it get to be this way? True. Because history is also a big part of, well, any culture and any individual. How a people have been treated is going to influence how an individual reacts. That's true. And and a culture will rally around certain figures. That is also uh, true. I'm, I'm working on a story where, well, basically a hegemony falls. And now suddenly people have a choice before them. Which group, if any, do they back? <clears throat> a restoration of the old order? A new order that claims to have improved? Or... Perhaps it's time to start something unique to ourselves. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, that's true. Um, world, world building is fascinating on its own. Just to think of something and how would it work in said universe and how would you portray or how would you manipulate the world and 
who who does the manipulating and whatnot. Those things are fun when you really get down and dirty with it. Jacob, anything? I world build it the Storm King and his Storm creatures. That's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> all right, you know, all right, then. So anyway, we have been running for a while now, and today is a special day because we're recording on a work day. So yeah, we need to wrap this up. If you guys have any yeah. questions, concerns, or suggestions for the show, you can contact us at emissiongmail.com. You can also reach us on the Twitter. The show's Twitter account is at MBS Show, and my personal Twitter account is at Norman Sanzo. Silver, where can the good people find you? Well, they can find me many places on Twitter, DeviantArt, and YouTube. Do a search for MLP Silver Quill, and ye shall find me. Uh, on those pages, you can also find links to my Patreon and Kofi to support my creative works. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Go do so, guys, so he can build more worlds for Clutter Step to clutter in. <laughs> exactly. And Jacob, what about you? You can find me on DeviantArt under username Yakafontorkat, under Twitter username Tales of the Ashes. If you're interested in reading the story Thermal Rising, you can find it on fanfiction.net under the username JFT. And if you're interested in reading an original story featuring anthropomorphic animals in a medieval fantasy setting called Tales of the Ashes, you can find it on talesoftheashes.com. Awesome, awesome. Go do so, guys. And also, please subscribe and rate us on iTunes, YouTube. Don't forget to press the bell icon to stay up to date on also Stitcher Radio. And also, like our Facebook page. You can also catch us on Pondivive.com. Links will be in the show notes. If you'd like to support the show, you can do so at patreon.com slash mbsshow. With every support, you get a week's early access to review and discussion podcasts, exclusive and deleted content. And a huge thank you from me. Talking about thank yous, I would like to thank you, Jacob, Lucky Knight, Jeffrey, myself, Lag, and also Tristan. Thank you so much, guys. You are great. So, um, I have been Norman Sanzo. I am Cecil Vraquil. I'm Jacob. And we'll, guys, catch you next week with another fun episode of the MBS show. See ya. Adios. Bye-bye. Ah, sh- crap, I knew I forgot something. Oh, no. You know what most makers are gonna say to the whole uh, answering the why question? Why? What? Forget about it. Don't question. Uh, Just accept things uh, of what they are. <laughs> Well, that's when you go with ju- the greatest power in the universe, just because. Yes. It can ju- it can justify anything. It is second only to God Himself, and why is it second? Just because. My favorite is it just works. You know what? My favorite is what consistency. <laughs>